Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. There was another rivalry on the women's side between the great Zimbabwean athlete Paula Newby-Fraser and New Zealand's own Erin Baker. Well, the man who coached Erin Baker to victory in 1987 and 1990 uh, joins us on the programme, Dr John Hellermans. John, uh, did you get goosebumps, mate, listening to that? Oh, yes, I remember it well. And I still, when I see the footage, um, I still think back of that epic, epic race. There's a book written about it, which is called The Iron War. And it's it's one of the uh, sports writing classics, really. So if you have any interest in, in sports writing, any interest in sport, for that matter, go and read that book. It's a fascinating story. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Erin Baker. How did you guys meet and how did you end up coaching her? And when did you believe that Ironman was her distance? Um, we we sort of met as uh, partners in the new crime of, of the sport of triathlon. It only came onto the scene well, the first race in the world was in 1978, so, and it blew over to New Zealand in the early 80s or late 70s, really. New Zealand was one of the first countries in uh, in the world who sort of took over this crazy sort of three-discipline sport. And um, my ears sort of pricked up when I heard about it, and I saw the clips on TV and I thought, well, I can run and, and um, uh, I can swim. That was my background. And every Dutchman can ride a bike. I'd love to do this event. which And I did one of the first ones in Auckland and ended up winning it. And um, I got a phone call a few weeks later from a girl called Erin Baker. And she said, I'm a Kiwi, but I live in Australia. And here you're doing good in those triathlons. I'm doing my first one tomorrow. Can you give me a few tips? And um, I sort of talked to her through the triathlon, and I said, well, make sure you, you call me and let me know how you went, and which she did. Um, and she ended up winning the race. Um, and more so, she ended up winning it um, with no seat on her bike because the seat post broke up as soon as she jumped on her bike after the swim. So she did 40 Ks of biking standing up and still won the race. Um, so I thought this this woman is something special. And, and a few months later, we met up in Queensland for the Queensland Championships. Uh, all the top Aussies were there and, and some of the pro-American um, triathletes. Um, and that's when the first time when I met her, and um, we really didn't get talking till after the race. She ended up winning the, the women's and I won the, the men's event. So both coming from Kiwiland, we sort of, um, you know, we were acquainted and, and hooked up and, and discussed 
our experience, but also the future of this crazy sport. And she had a huge vision about sports. She said, John, this is going to be big. This will be a mainstream sport within 10 years. It will be, there will be world championships and that might, it might even be at the Olympic games at some states. And, um, she also, she said to me, I want to do this and I want to do this professionally because that's what was happening in America. He said, I want to go to America and I want to earn my living from this sport. And this was at a very early stage where the sport was still basically an adventure. There was no official championships anywhere. There were just events. And one of the events, which was the Holy Grail at that time and still is today, was the Hawaiian Ironman. She said, I want to go to Hawaiian Ironman if I want to be good at this sport and I want to make a living out of it. I know what I have to do is I have to win that event. So she saw that very early on. She had that vision. It still took her four years to get to Hawaii um, for different reasons. One of them was that she had a conviction uh, on on her CV because of the Springbok uh, protest, and she threw a smoke bomb or some uh, device at the police and was convicted. And so America didn't let her in, and it took a few years and the interference of of the ministry of um you know so some high high end bureaucrats to to make it happen um the first year she went over um she actually uh, got sick a few weeks out and it's ended up a, a, a miserable failure where she had to pull out on the bike because she wasn't go going anywhere in a hurry and but when she came back she said to me john um this is a, an event different from any other event I've raced. And she'd raced a few events uh, by then, um, winning most of them. Um, but she said, here we have to do some specific preparation. So we, so we planned for a year for her to do the event in 1987. And, and the result is, is history. Yeah, she won the race. And when Erin did retire in 1994, just for people out there, remarkable record. She entered 121 triathlons and she had 104 wins. Uh, John, you said yourself, you know, first Hawaii Ironman, I think, was 1978. Sport very much, you know, in its infancy in 1987. So as a coach, did you sort of know what you're doing? Did you know how to coach an Ironman athlete? And how much has the training changed from the way athletes prepare now to, say, the way they did in 1987? Yes, it was an interesting journey, really. Um, I I really wasn't a coach at the time at all. We were mates uh, experimenting with this new sport. I was very interested in... Um, I didn't have a, a, a lot of time because I, I, I had work. My work as a GP, I had a young family, and I wanted to prepare for those events uh, with as, as minimal training as I could get away with. But um, Aaron had a lot of time um, because she wanted to be a professional. She didn't have a job. So I almost used her as a guinea pig and I sent her out on, on uh, training, combining the different disciplines, going out for a bike ride, running off the bike, uh, running to the pool, swimming, running back home and so on. And this was pretty crazy at the time. I remember my running mates uh, looking at me sideways when I turned up for a long run in the Port Hills on Sunday morning on my bike, um, and they couldn't believe it. But at the time, we were experimenting. Mm-hmm. When Erin came home from her training and said, John, this was a really good session, I put it in my own program. And we, when she came home, home half dead, 
I, I knew to to miss out on these sessions. So she became the guinea pig, but she was also very resilient and became very, very fit in the process and ended up, you know, uh, winning most of her events. Mm. I'm sure because she did more training than any of her mm. opposition. And, and most of the, most of it, uh, she got away with because she was so strong and resilient. Mm. So yeah, there's been a lot of refinement over the years. Um, where it's become a lot more scientific. We've learned a lot from other endurance sport, endurance running, cycling, and swimming. Um, and so gradually, um, it's it's become a lot more detailed. Mm. Uh, Hawaii, I mean, uh, what, just for people who might not have heard the interview yesterday with Braden Curry and people out there, 3.8-kilometre swim, no wetsuit in Hawaii, 180-kilometre bike ride, uh, non-drafting, it's a bit it's a bit loose these days, um, and then a 42-kilometre run or a full marathon and 35 degrees, sometimes 90% humidity. There's a saying, swim and bike for show, run for dough, or as I like to say, for the swim and the bike, it's shoulders down. For the run, it's very much shoulders up. It's about the top two inches. How much of it is physical? How much of it is mental? Well, the, the, you haven't mentioned the conditions this race is done under, you know, the 40 degrees temperatures, the swirling winds. There's always winds. You ride through the desert most of the time, the lava fields. Um, it's very, very intimidating. And, and that's where you need to you have your mental faculties in place and be prepared. You have to be prepared to suffer and not really slow down when you when you hit that wall. And it's um, not a, an if, but when you hit this wall and when you crack. Um, so, and, and that's all mental. And this was Aaron's strength. Mm. Um, you know, she, she was good at, at swimming, biking and running, but she was very mm. good at, at running through brick walls. And that's mm. what you had to be able to be prepared to do in, in this particular event. Yeah, just give listeners out there, I've tried to describe it. I've been lucky enough to race it three times and I've tried to describe the enormity of this race um, and particularly today with just such depth in the men's field, 54 of the best athletes, much, much greater depth in the women's fields now. You can throw a blanket over the top 10. Any one of 10 athletes is good enough on their day. You've talked about the conditions, but just the, the, the media, the hype, the buzz, uh, Yeah, just share your memories of that. Yeah, it's, it's it's different from from any other race. You you do have that pressure, but you also have this sense that, for example, the swim is just the most wonderful environment you can wish for a swim, where there's clear water, which is nice and warm. Uh, you see your fish swimming underneath and turtles um, and stingray. It's just wonderful. It's it's um, 3.8 k, and for a good swimmer, that's very doable. So you get through the swim and you get almost lulled into a full sense of security um, unless you know what's coming. And so even the first <laughs> bit of the bike, <laughs> so that's the problem you have because the first bit of the bike is quite nice as well, quite scenic. There often is a tailwind and you, you feel more confident and you tend to up your pace a bit because you feel so good. But you know in the back of your head what's coming. And what's coming is usually somewhere on the way back from the halfway bike mark from how we back to Kona. That's when the winds hit. Um, that's at about 120k um, on, on the bike. The, the man with the hammer is, is threatening you um, when you get um, 
hungry, hungry when when the dehydration starts to hit, your body temperature heats up more than what it should do, and you you feel you feel the the problems you know coming um, sooner or later, and usually it happens towards that last one quarter of the bike, and when you come off the bike, um, most participants are already toasted and then you still have to run a marathon it's only the the top the elite ones who are very very well acclimatized and very well trained for Mm. this event who can push on at proper race pace and make a race of it the rest of the field survives you know and if they're lucky they get to the finish Mm. how good cameron brown two seconds two thirds up in hawaii he he's a le- legend in my mind. You know, I um, I I've, I feel sorry for him that he hasn't won it. Um, he he probably should have won it once or twice. But um, to me, you know, in my mind, he's won it because of of the way he races, the way he approaches the sport. He's a total athlete. And you know, when he was younger, he he won the, the shorter races as well. He's not a pure Ironman athlete. He's got good speed, but he's also got a wonderful attitude. And he must be so tough because he's gone back to Hawaii again and again and again. Um, and um, it takes quite a lot, um, actually, I think, to, to go back there, not just two or three times, but more so year after year. And that's what he's done. And he's, um, you know, performed up till recently, um, you know, with excellence, um, and I don't know if he's there this year. No, Possibly no, not. No, he's not. But, no, um, no, he's not. Okay, okay. So that might be the first year for for a long time that he hasn't been there. But he's he's one of our triathlon legends yeah. in my book. I, I, I did send him a text yeah. and called him soft, John. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> hey, um, I think that's a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, hey! Look, um. We spoke to Braden Curry. We've got a young athlete who I think's got real potential in the future in Kyle Smith. We've seen how good he is over the half distance. Maybe he just needs a little bit more time uh, in the background. Maybe six or seven years from now, we know potentially what Hayden Wild could do. But what chance do you give Braden Curry this week? How good is he? Yeah, well, we've got those athletes, and I think we've got Re- Rebecca Clark and, and yes, the females. Do. Yes, and I'll, I'll tell you now, we'll we'll see those three athletes. Uh, near or at the front of the race after the swim and in particular the early stages of the bike. Um, so th- they will be in the mix. And and Carl, you know, it's his first of Hawaiian experience. Um, so hopefully he keeps his head together and um, doesn't um, waste too much energy early on in the race. Um, and Rebecca Clark is in good form. So I expect her to last quite a long time out there, uh, even in those conditions, uh, Braden Curry. This might well be his year. You know, as you know, he got third in the in the world champs. He did it very tough out there, but he did uh, hang tough. Um, so he showed that he can do it, even when the when the going gets tough. So um, I like to think I I've, I believe he's had a really good build up. He's well acclimatized. He's got the right build, the right me- mental attitude. So um, I've got good hopes for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just for people out there that might be listening to this, that might be inspired and think, "Hey, I wouldn't mind having a, a crack at an Ironman." Um, uh, what what advice have you got for them? 
Yeah, well, you know, when when the Iron Man came into existence, they didn't think it could be done even. So it it took a few soldiers to challenge each other to actually do do the distance in those three disciplines and and combine those three disciplines over those distances. Mm. So and and I think it was 15 soldiers, very well trained soldiers, who did that first race, and 12 of them finished. And then the next year they had a few more, and then suddenly it exploded uh, a few years later. And they had to to start with qualifying events all over the world because there were too many entries. And people from all walks of life took up the challenge to do an Ironman. And now we know that, well, almost anybody can do it. If you prepare yourself and do the work, then um, you, you can do the distance. So, um, and part of that is physical training. And part of it, again, is, is mm. the mindset. Yeah. Um, so if you want to do it, you you can do it. Yeah, well, one of the things I noticed with athletes, they start out saying, I want to finish it, and as they get further into that journey in the first year, suddenly the goalposts yeah. shift, and they then start to attach a time to what they want to do, and, and then when they don't reach that time, they walk away disappointed, yet if they went actually back to right from the start, the goal was always to finish. Is that That's first and foremost the objective with an Ironman, isn't it? Get across the finish line. Yes, I, th- I think the main race, and even for the elite probably, the main race is with yourself. Yeah. Um, and often people forget that mm. when they when they start a race and, and in all the excitement, they start competing with others around them. And, that, and that's a trap a lot of us fall into when we do an Ironman. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a race with yourself. And if you, if you can see it like that, and I, indeed finishing an Ironman is, is huge, um, and that should be the main goal of of ninety percent of the field. Now I've just texted um, Cameron and said that you said he's soft too. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's probably <laughs> fair comment. <laughs> hey John, lovely to have lovely to have you on the program. Always a good, always enjoy a bit of banter, mate. You've got a great sense of humour. Yeah, thank you, Mark, and uh, you take good care and keep on course as the Iron Man of. Uh, Talk back. Hey, fantastic. Thank you. The great Dr. Yeah. John Hellemans there, a man who coached the great Aaron Baker, a multiple age group world triathlon champion and himself, former New Zealand triathlon champion, coached the likes of Chris Gemmell, um, Andrea Hewitt, Nikki Samuels to the Olympic Games.